disciples, and I'm not actually preaching, so I'll shut up. So there you go. Go. No, no, go. Oh, here we go. That's right. Shall I um, go back? Shall I stop? Is that you're right, Richard? Cool. So thank you, um, Lyndon. That is exactly what our message is. So um, did we pray? I don't know. Lord, come and um, be in our midst and meet with us as we have already asked this morning. So my first slide. So as Lyndon has said, these are the tongue that we have um, talked about over these past um, for four or five weeks or so. And, um, and we hold them as distinctives um, in the vineyard. Um, and it helps us to understand what to expect from this particular part of the body of Christ. And they help us to anchor us so, um, and from going off course. I think that was a really helpful. So what, you know, why, do we, why do we talk about what's important to us? Because it actually helps us stay, um, stay on course. So intimate worship and prayer, which is what I'm talking about today. A culture of discipleship, which Maz beautifully spoke about last week. The power of the gospel of the kingdom and a passion for church planting and the presence of God. And they're all intertwined and interlinked. Um, and they're not exclusive to us, and we know that, but it's just helpful to say. It's not exclusive to us, but we really hold them as valuable. And it's a little bit like um, a little bit like the Reynolds at the moment when we go on family holidays. Um, click. This is what, oh no, next one. Uh, we love to do this. This is distinctively us. And I'll let you go through them at every sort of three seconds. Thanks. We, um, we love to go out on the quad bikes and this is what we love to do. Um, it's, not, it's not exclusive to us. We're not the only ones with quad bikes. Uh, we don't look at anybody else and think, oh, our holiday is better than yours. But you won't really find us on a, on a cruise ship or a boat because it's just not really us right now. But this is us, finding beautiful things. And um, I just put a few photos in there because I thought that those of you who like a little bit of adventure would appreciate something creative to look at. Uh, yes, that, that is mud, very deep mud. But what, so my point is, <laughs> my point is, is that um, this is our context. For, as the Reynolds family, this is what we love to do. And it's the same with our tonga. This is our context of, our, of this is what we love to hold precious in the vineyard. Um, we'll go to Papa. Thanks. Click. So um, Dan Sheed from... Uh, Central Vineyard has recently shared at our Vineyard Conference, and if you've managed to do any of the catch-ups online, you'll be familiar with what he introduced us to, that the concept of papa is more than just a genealogy. It's more than just a family tree. It's actually a matrix of people and place that gives us our identity and our cues and roles and our responsibilities for today. So as we look back and we see our story that helps to give us our cues for how we are to be in our story now. So the meta-narrative, well, there's an overarching story of, of God's, God's plan, right? His, his great narrative, one God, one plan, one story. And we, we can start, like if I had a slide, I'd do it, but we can start, you know, like you can have this amazing arch as if we could ever even encapsulate God. But, you know, we do our best as human beings to use language to to uh, describe him, and we start and we see God speaking and bringing order 
uh, into chaos. And we see that, um, you know, the story of the Bible has, it has patterns and motifs that go through it. So that creation and that beautiful thing. And then, and then it got messed up, you know, because human beings, we decided that we knew better. And then the rest of the story is this constant pattern of um, God uh, uh, working on the restoration project. Dan Sheet also says, which I love, is that what business is God in? If you had to describe it, he's in the restoration business. He wants to restore us to himself, to what he created at first in the garden, the, the picture and the story that we have of the creation story. That's what he's wanting us, to, that's what he's wanting to create. And that's the story of the Bible, the meta narrative, is that it's all culminating to God's ultimate restoration, which Jesus came to make it all things right and new. But we're not completed yet. We're, we've, he's come, but he's coming again. And that's what we're looking forward to, right? And so our songs, our songs and what we sing are our narrative. That, that we sing about that narrative. We sing about parts and we zone in on that narrative. But that they still apply for us. For example, one of the um, one of the motifs or the the patterns that we see throughout Scripture is God calling people out of something. So He called them out of the garden into something else. He called Abram out of where he was into something else. He called the Israelites out of Egypt into something else, um, just like he calls us out of death and into life. And so our songs help us to um, help us to know our story. So it's in our bones. So it's something worth living for. And which is exactly what Lyndon started off by saying that uh, we want to pass that on. We want to pass that tongue on to our young people, our youth, our children that come after us. Um, because otherwise we're just passing on, I don't know, what are we passing on? If we don't pass on that life and that, that story of a God who is so big and so wonderful and just wants us to experience him, um, maybe we just have religion, which can be helpful, but maybe not so life-giving and maybe not the eternal perspective that, that he has for us. So the vineyard story, if you've been around long enough, there was um, started with a small group of friends. They were burnt out on church, on life, on doing ministry. And they began to pray and worship together in their brokenness. And they found that as they came and worshipped the Lord, just with their guitar in their lounge, um, and they found themselves singing love songs to Jesus, singing worship to him. And they'd always sung songs about him, but they found that when they sang songs to him, there was this beautiful connection that started to happen and his presence would come. And then all those other lovely tonga that we had um, up there, those things, you know, like with miracles and healings and the restoration project seemed to um, materialise a bit more. And as the tonga has been handed down to each generation it changes the style might change the actual you know the guts of it the the real life inside of it doesn't change but the style might change um, or the yeah the expression of the gifting might change so because it's not actually a style the tonga that we of, of intimate worship and prayer is not about a style 
it's not about a performance, but it's about a heart being open and deeply connected with the living God and experiencing him in those moments and in those times. That is the treasure that is worth passing on. So Colossians, is that my next slide? Colossians 3, verse 15 and 16. And be thankful, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Next slide. So Psalms being scripture, that's our story, right? We get our cues now from there. Hymns, the next slide. Those songs that are crafted and then songs from the spirit, the spontaneous songs that inspire, we're inspired in the moment, led by the spirit of God. Sometimes I've often won, well, there's my biblical backing for sometimes when we just want to sing a spontaneous song because it flows out of who we are. We're allowed to, it's in scripture. <laughs> and I remember um, a lecture years ago when I was at um, a Bible college saying actually, you know when you get a birthday card, it's really cool seeing what the, the text is that you bought and paid for, because it says nice things and the picture might be really nice, but actually what are the first words you read when you open it? It's the what the person wrote to you. It's like, oh yeah, you often read it as a second, and like, oh, you know, that is a nice, nice choice. Thank you. It's lovely, and it often flows. But we want to know what's in someone else's heart. We want to know what their love to us is, what their message is to us, and it's the same with our worship. The words and the songs that we sing, like, oh my goodness, like even what we were singing this morning, um, you know. They're, they're beautiful words. They give us a context of where we are, but I also know, and on top of that, you know, it's what we sing in our heart to the Lord that actually makes it alive and meaningful, but he wants to know what's on, in, what's on our heart. Yeah. So over the, you know, over history, we've had the monks who would chant. I just think about different types of worship. Um, we tried, hey eh, Al, um, a couple, number of years ago for Easter, we did some chant, we did a chant, didn't we? Where are you, Al? I'm looking for you right here. Um, we did, you know, Remember Me. It was quite cool, it was a choral thing, but it's not our usual style. Um, and then there's hymns, which have served the context of their day. Um, they, they often used popular pub tunes in order to then teach theology. And teach about, and theology is just a fancy way of saying what we believe about God. What about what, what do we believe about his character, his nature? And then we have our modern worship songs. And Vineyard has um, probably had 40 years of, at least, of, of bringing those life-filled spirit to Jesus, to God's songs, to the world, which has been beautiful. And in, you know, in, in, in those meeting times of we come with our open heart. He comes to meet us. We don't even have to say words. Like, I don't know if you've, um, I've, it's just so beautiful to watch. And even in our context here in Snell's Beach, people come in that have not necessarily been in church either ever or not for a long time. And they can't stop crying. They don't know what it is. And they'll often say, oh, I don't know why I'm crying. And it's just, and it's just the music. No one said anything. It's just God saying, welcome, you're home, I'm here, you're here, I'm so excited. And that overwhelms us often. 
And it's, uh, that is something beautiful to be able to pass on to our next generation. That actually, it's the, well, that is the restoration mission at work. So our next generation will continue the worship in our, you know, um, not, in, in, not only in our movement, but it'll be a style that suits their context. They, I, I want them to know that they can create their own style, that they can connect deeply with the Lord. And if we hand them a tradition, a tonga of sound theology and beautifully played music, then they get to carry on and, and create their own. Uh, so, for example, um, one of the hymns that I grew up with, like I grew up in the Presbyterian Church. Any other Prezies here? Yay! And I remember we lived, um, we lived in the country, we lived down country, and um, we would drive probably 40 minutes, I don't know, mum correct me if I'm wrong, 40, 50 minutes, one way to church because there wasn't a church in our zone, or it would come once a month, you know, they'd do a combined service. And, um, and one of my earliest memories is actually getting to ring the bell tower. It was a small church, just probably like um, Pullum Road that we're about to move into. And um, as a six-year-old, I remember, we had this really cool minister, Uncle Arch, we called him. And I remember um, it, it was the coolest thing if you got to church early enough, you got to ring the bell. And as a six-year-old, the challenge was to yank as hard as you could and then hold on as hard as you could because it was a free little ride. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Um, but one of my favorite songs from when I was a child was What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And probably because as a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old, um, I understood the concept of friend. And, um, um, and now I was thinking, well, what is a modern song that we sing now that, that's like that for me? It's that one that we're singing at the moment, um, I Love Your Presence. It's about him being close or, or one, of the one, you know, one of the lines in um, The Goodness of God is, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend. Um, one of the other hymns I remember is I Surrender All. Does anyone remember that beautiful hymn? I Surrender All. Um, well, in 2000, so we're going back 23 years ago, Vineyard actually released a song called Surrender, and it was one of my favorite, um, favorite songs as a teenager. Um, or what was I then, 20s, something like that. Um, and then now, in 2023, our youth sang at Easter camp earlier in the year, I Will Make Room for you um, and to do whatever you want to do and it's the same heart cry through every generation God how do I love you more how do I how do I best live my life how do I how do I lay down and come with a humble heart so that you can meet me so I can learn uh, from you and um, you might have seen that we had some lovely little um girls up here this morning, which was really lovely because <laughs> couldn't have planned it any other, better any other way. Uh, they just happened to spontaneously say to me last weekend, we've decided we'd like to sing next week if that's all right. Sure, absolutely. So um, I got two of the three, so that was pretty cool. Um, because we're always about, as my, Maz talked about last week, discipleship, we're always about one hand up, one hand back. You know, wherever we're going, we try and take others with us. And that's the culture, that's one of our tongues that, that uh, we've cultivated or that we cultivate here. Um, and 
this year has been so incredibly rewarding for me as I feel like a little bit of a mum when it comes to um, some of the things that we have cultivated over time with the kids who are now teens, who are now involved in our worship teams. And that didn't happen overnight. So, Riley, where are you? Are you in here? So, can you remember what age you started playing guitar and singing with us all those years ago? You about nine? Something like that, eh? was really cool and um, and now he can totally hold his own on whether it's guitar or bass or or Jake or Aiden it's just so cool Jacob or you know it's just it's pretty cool so for me um, yeah proud so I just feel um, super super proud of them and I'm so grateful So I think here and um, here, what what my heart is for worship, and what I love to see when you guys come on in, or when our church comes on in, um, is that we're intentionally honest in our worship. We're authentic, and we're intentional. We don't haphazardly choose a few songs that we think sound good for a Sunday morning, um, but we want we want to make each one count, because each song is a is a meeting place. It's a meeting place where we bring our open hearts, where we bring our humble hearts. And we we come with curiosity. God, what can I learn from you today? Because if I was to part, you know, why is it that we worship? Why do I want to, what what is it that I want to see passed on in this Tonga to those that come after us? It's that um, he's knowable. But that's not a knowing like, you know, your times tables and it's a, it's a finite amount to know. It's not that kind of knowing. It's a, we start to recognize and understand when he works and think, oh, I, I, I think that's God speaking. We just start to practice and, and we cultivate listening um, together and doing sung worship or coming together as a group of people and singing with one voice and singing with what we agree with what the the songs just give us language to what's already in our hearts and um, yeah we want to make each song count so I'm incredibly grateful for um, our worship leaders and our teams that that take that time to prayerfully consider um, because we contend for the things of our faith and I think this world uh, needs a better story right now we live in an outrage culture and it's kind of because people want to matter they want their voice to be heard and when we have a picture in our mind when we come to worship and live our life of of this overarching story that it's not it's not finished yet but we have a part to play in the outworking of God restoring us to himself our worship matters like it matters it's so you know like it's there's life on that And I also want to say really thank you to those of you who maybe are in, I don't know, above 60, those of you who are in our older generation, who um, have faithfully lived your lives and worshipped God throughout your life. Like as a, as a person up the front who I see, I see your beautiful faces and it's beautifully encouraging to me when, you know, but you've held that line, you've you've held that story and you've lived that story and you've passed that story on to those around you 
And um, can I just say thank you? Like, we really value you. Yeah, so why worship? And we've, uh, Lyndon said it, I've said it. <laughs> um, but I was reminded of that song, uh, Light the Fire Again. Does anyone remember that old vineyard song, Light the Fire Again? Oh my goodness, I put it on. I hadn't listened to it for years and it straight away took me back to this place of, yes, this openness and desperateness in my heart. What's the next slide? I should, uh, yeah, actually that's fine. Um, because true, we, we need to be people who dig wells and in that song it talks about, it comes from Revelation 3, talks about um, coming with a, with, you know, I'm, I'm wretched and poor, blind and naked, like, but I'm coming to buy gold. Clothe me in white. It's about an exchange that happens when we come with that humility to the Lord. Um, and going back to the world needs a better story right now. Um, when we understand where we are in that bigger picture, uh, worship can help us to orientate our life around the person of Jesus. And it's simply the best way to spend a life. It's a higher goal. Dave, this is a quote from Dave Riddell, who's a New Zealand um, psychotherapist, a Christian counsellor. Self-control is a byproduct of being captured by a higher goal. And it's a bigger story. It's a better story that needs to capture our hearts. And that's what I want to pass on to our younger generation. That there is life. We don't want to come. And I know that you're here and so that I'm talking preaching to the choir yeah I get to say that um, because you agree with me we don't want to come and sing hollow songs we don't want to come and go through the motions because this is what we do on a Sunday morning and this is what's expected at church no we want it to mean something we want it to be a higher goal um, that um, it orientates our life and we can do our best to describe what happens in worship with the best language that we can but ultimately Worship has to be experienced because it's not about an ex well, yeah. All the head knowledge in the world doesn't actually help us connect in with God unless we come with a humble heart, with an open heart. So God, I'm here, I'm fresh. And the thing I want to pass on to our young people is that just when you think you've got life figured out or God figured out, it's like, oh, there is so much more. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's just, imagine taking a cup and taking a cup of water from the ocean. Like, we come to church on a Sunday morning and that's our cup of the ocean. It's like, we don't even pretend to think that we have got an understanding of the vastness or the bigness or the, what's in there. And I don't even think Steve Hath, hey, after all your years of exploring the ocean, would say you have figured it all out yet and that's just a finite example God is infinite bigger and better and more powerful I mean we're talking about the same God that breathed and created order from chaos in the beginning we're talking about the same God that um, called the Israelites out of Egypt like that same God that same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead who um, you know came at Pentecost and has created that same power that same God that the presence of God he wants to meet with us each and every time we get together and as a church there is something powerful about the 
the togetherness, the oneness of voice that we say, yes, God, I agree with your story. I agree that while this story right now, my world, what I'm experiencing, it might not be great. But I'm in the context of your bigger story, so I know it's going to be okay. Eventually, he's going to come again. He's going to make all things right. He will complete the restoration. And in the meantime, he asks us to participate with him. We'll worship and the words that we sing and those times that we come and just invite him to be here, that life, that's the same presence of God. And he longs, he's like, oh, if you could just get it. You guys see in part, you see a little cup of water. Oh my gosh, could you imagine the, the vastness and the bigness? And if, I can, if we can sing our songs with conviction and with passion that our young people go, I want that. Because to whom else will we go? That's what the disciples said. To whom else do we? You hold the words of eternal life. I love what we sing at the moment. You are the fountain of eternal joy. You are the river of, e what's the words? You are the river of, you know, eternal peace. Oh, to bask in those because they become our life's song and they are places that we come and meet with God. So I think I've talked enough. I think I'd love us to just worship, if that's all right. Um, there's probably lots of other things that I want to say, but hey, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, cool. So I guess my, my invitation to us is if we come and approach this worship time as if it's the first time we're coming in to his presence. Like, is that all right to go, actually, yeah, to examine our hearts and go, man, have I just... I've been a Christian a long time and I've been coming to church for a long time. But God, I want you to light the fire again in my heart. God, I want to buy gold from you, refined in the fire. And I can do that when I come with humility because you get an exchange. You exchange and you clothe me in white. You clothe me in your righteousness. God, that is the way we want to come and approach worship this morning. Yes, we come and we bring our gifts and sometimes we think, I don't have much. I don't have the fancy words. I don't have the amazing stories, but all I have is my praise the Lord. All I have is my hallelujah. And that is enough. That is what you want from us. So God, thank you that you're constantly inviting us into that spark of, of life that the words mean something because they're eternal. And this work of worship, we bring it to you. It's an eternal work. And we minister to you first. But oh my goodness, you minister to us. And then we get to participate in your making all things new and your restoration project in this world. So if you'd like to stand with us when you're ready.